Well, it's the top of the hour, and I want to welcome everyone to Pit Stop. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator and chief cartographer for narratorsroadmap.com, and I'm your host for Pit Stop. Anne Flosnick, who's my co-host, is usually here, but she's on vacation today, and so we'll miss her. Every other Wednesday, audiobook narrators who have vocations beyond narration pull into Pit Stop, and they're sure to inspire you to follow all your interests and use your talents and gifts. But I want to let you know the conversation's being recorded and you'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. And feel free to comment in the chat and raise your hand in the app if you want to be part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you and thanks so much for joining us. I'm very excited today to welcome Andrew Tell to Pit Stop. Andrew Tell is an actor and voiceover artist based in Los Angeles, California. He's narrated over 200 audiobooks in a variety of genres, with an emphasis on sci-fi, fantasy, and thrillers. Away from the mic, he roasts his own coffee like a real Mr. Fancy Pants and enjoys painting, drawing, and wrangling his two kids. In a previous life, he was an Emmy Award-winning graphic designer and animator for over 20 years. He also currently runs the audiobook industry websites narratic.com and audiobookscout.com under his real name, Craig Tollefson. So, Craig, I am so happy to have you here. I do wonder, are you painting, drawing, and wrangling your kids, or or is the kids wrangling different from the painting and drawing? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they all happen at the same time. Sometimes I wrangle them into a painting and drawing session, and we all work together. See, that's, that's a new way to bring all your talents to the table. Indeed, indeed. Well, you're a man of many interest and abilities and talents. And even before you were narrating audiobooks, you were doing very interesting things. Like I saw you wrote for Comedy Central's Mystery Science Theater 3000. I used to love that show. (laughs) Yeah, me too, obviously. So how did Uh, that come about? And, you know, I always thought that the guy just ad-libbed off the top of his head, but uh, clearly that wasn't the case. No, no, there are, there's a whole group of writers. I mean, uh, I got involved with it pretty early on. Um, so I was, I had a group of friends and we watched it sort of religiously and it was kind of this weird cult thing that wasn't super popular at the time. And we would, we would write to them, um, constantly and like send them weird stuff and, one time, and then just randomly, we got in the mail, we got a, something back that was a writer's test for us to do our own version, you know, write a script for a short that they sent us. And they gave us some parameters and me and these other uh, three people sat and wrote the script and sent it back and they liked it. And they hired us to work on some episodes after that as well. Um but it's that was yeah that's a crazy show because that you do think it looks pretty natural but they're like we average six jokes per minute <laughs> you know and, and like we're, we're, so we were trying to like cram in you know as many as many jokes as we could but uh, it was you, a really fun experience yeah did you write for just the host or also the robot and I yeah, do, I mean, you can't think of the other character. Yeah, there was Tom Servo and oh, the, Tom Servo, right? Right. We were. <laughs> this was back when Joel Hodgson was was uh, was doing a show, and there was Crow. I think was the other robot, or something like that. But uh, we, yeah, we. You write just sort of whoever you think is would would say whatever joke you you have, and they might reassign them as well. But they basically they would have their read, and they would have your sort of remote writer script there, and just it would essentially be pitching jokes for whatever was happening on the screen. I was pretty pleased though, in the final episodes that um, a fair amount of my, my lines did get in. So I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> well, yeah. And it, and it's so interesting how that even came about. I mean, that's kind of like the American dream or something that you love uh, the yeah. show and then you pitch them idea and they're like, okay, yeah, that's great. Come aboard. It was. It was super exciting. And, and I was doing comedy and, and improv and stage stuff at that time. So it kind of was like a really good, you know, it just was a perfect kind of moment for me. Uh, yeah, I was really excited. I was like, my life is changing forever. I'm going to be a TV <laughs> writer. And then I moved to L.A. and I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> this is hard. 
Well, what what did you dream of doing? What were you wanting to be a writer, or were you thinking um, another I was, career? I mean, I got interested in filmmaking, kind of in general, and I thought, well, I like writing and I love movies, and um, you know, maybe I should just write my own movies and be an auteur, you know, a filmmaker. So I started going to film school in Milwaukee, which is where I was from and where that was happening. And eventually decided I wanted to transfer out to, you know, go to California and sort of start it up a little more properly, I guess. Um, and I went to UCLA with the intention of getting into the film program there, but I just stayed in the in the fine arts program as my life circumstances continued to kind of evolve and change. But I was writing screenplays. I wrote like, I don't know, a dozen screenplays at that time. And I had some, there was some sort of, uh, there was some activity. There was some, <laughs> I had a manager and there was some things going on, but I got a little soured to the whole process. And I was like, you know what? I just want to have total control over my own work. And I went back to just sort of, uh, writing fiction and focusing on my career and things like that. Well, and you were an Emmy award-winning graphic designer and animator. So yeah, is this that same period or did you kind of yeah, that's what it from kind one of morphed, the other? That, that's what it kind of morphed into my last year in college. I got um, involved with a multimedia company. I was actually doing tech support for them originally um, as I have a very computery background. And uh, yeah, I just met a guy who was kind of creating graphics for them and I was really interested in it. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I learned how to do it. <laughs> I started doing it and I did that for like 20 years. Uh, yeah, I have, I have an Emmy. I, I won actually more, that's such a weird award to win in that. But um, that was for the X Games um, 1997, maybe. I can't quite remember. But I have other awards and I've been in some other books and things like that. And I had a good career with, with that. And your IMDb page doesn't seem to reflect all of that because I, I saw you were a visual effects producer in the Bible Secrets Revealed show. <laughs> so that, yeah, I mean, like the whole IMDb thing, you know, people, when I was having during my career, it wasn't like vital that people were putting in every last person that worked on the show. And I mostly was credited as my company, which was my one man band that I would occasionally hire people to help me or do things like that. But it was mostly me doing everything, which was called Imperial studio. So that might be credited in more things. Mm. And I'm, I mostly worked in TV doing shows for MTV and VH1 and, uh, I mean, a lot of TV shows, um, the opening titles and the, the graphics that go inside of them, reality shows. I, I worked on Dodgeball, the movie Dodgeball with Ben Oh, I Stiller. love that movie. Yeah, I did all the ESPN8 graphics within that, and uh, that was a lot of fun, too. Yes, and we've always, I think since then we've always thought of it as ESPN Ocho. Yeah, I I didn't come up with that idea, but I put the I put the whole graphics package together myself. Just pretty... wow, because it it looks so realistic, as I recall. So that's really yeah, fantastic thing. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. Well, so how did you get into audiobook narration? And it seems like you kind of started and then came back to it in full force later. Uh, I would say what, I mean, the, the story that I tell is that, you know, I had a book that, that I published, um, I self-published a short book and it got, um, some very good attention. It was the first independently published book that got a starred review in Publishers Weekly, Oh wow! which was cool. And uh, this this is the book you're talking about is the Young Arsonist Club. The the Junior Arsonist Club, uh, correct? Yeah, and uh, that's okay. And Amazon took an interest in it, and they brought it into their Kindle Singles program, and just were like, "Here, we want to give you some money." And I was like, "Okay," and uh, and then they were like, "Hey, we're going to advertise this on all Kindle devices over Christmas." And I was like, "I got real excited," and I was like, "This is great." Um, hey, I should have an audiobook too. And so I went through ACX. I found a narrator I liked, the incredible Amy McFadden, who I'm still friends with. And yeah, she's terrific. She, 
Yeah, and I would have maybe taken a crack at it myself since I have an acting background, but um, the the main character uh, is a woman, and I was like, well, this this would be better if a woman voiced this. And she did a great job, and we were chatting about the whole process, and and she's like, you know, you would probably be really good at this. And at that point, my graphics career, I was pretty burnt out of and was kind of like winding down a little bit in a sense that uh, it was becoming very competitive and I was becoming kind of old and not as cool. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, you know, that can be a thing. There were less in-person meetings. It was, you know, people were doing this overseas. You know, the times were kind of changing a little bit. And I was just like, I'm going to do that. I want to just narrate books and then I'll write my own books and I'll be narrating books and it'll be a dream come true. And especially I was interested in royalty share because I thought, well, I can only write a couple of books, but boy, I could narrate a lot of books and that's, that could be a lot of dough. Um, so I had that kind of this particular mindset going into it. I took a crack at it and, you know, I have, I've done some really specific stage shows that sort of weirdly prepared me for audiobook narration that so the, the shows involved me narrating things. Mm. And um, I kind of took to it pretty, pretty good. And, uh, you know, I just started to get work through ACX and started pursuing indie authors and, you know, it just kind of just took, took on a life of its own. Yeah. Now you've narrated well over 200 books. I, but have you written anymore? I, you know, um, I wish the, the career sort of took over the audiobook part. Uh, eclipsed uh, a lot of other stuff. And with the websites and having a couple of kids uh, and all this stuff, it kind of was like, it kind of got put on the back burner. I have in the time written uh, quite a bit. It's just having a book that I think is finished or ready for the world at large is a whole different <laughs> question. Yeah. So, you know, I was pleased with how, my novella came out and you know, that was great. I even had an agent from uh, a New York agent contact me. I had Sigourney Weaver's production company contact me wanting oh. to, uh, you know, taking an interest in it and all this kind of interest in that. But um, I just wasn't quite ready for it with the next book, I guess you could say. And my, you know, it's, my stuff is more literary. It's not, um, I think it just takes a little longer to sort of, to sort of cook. <laughs> so, I've been cooking a few and I've still been writing and uh, working on a few projects, but you know, it's, it's just hard to make it a priority when narration, you know, it takes up so much time. It just takes a lot of time. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. And especially, I mean, it's not, as we all know, it's not just the narration. It's so much of the job is actually finding the next job. And yeah. Yeah. And there's, I, well, I think, you know, just the performance of it can sort of takes, for me, it takes um, some of that creative energy uh, is depleted in a way. And it's yes. hard to, to go from uh, reading somebody else's book for a couple hours and be like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and write my own book. And I really admire the other narrators who have, have been able to do that more consistently than me. Yeah. That splitting between things I, I find very difficult. I And I, talk to people about this because if I am narrating, I can't really work too much on narrator's roadmap. It because mm. like you say, it's like a different kind of creativity and being so immersed in somebody else's story in order to give the book the authenticity that it needs and the, the emotion that it needs, it does deplete you. And Absolutely. It, I think you know, I've read so many articles from authors who narrated their book and they're just surprised, <laughs> shocked at how much energy it actually took to tell the story instead of just writing the story. Because I think so many of them never read their words aloud until they actually yeah. sat down to do the audiobook. Yeah. I, I actually, it's part of my process before I even got into narration was reading it aloud because I really wanted it to all sound right. And I, I was I was always surprised when people didn't you know, didn't I do know. that. Because reading it yeah. aloud, gosh, you catch so much stuff. You yeah, catch for sure. plot problems, you catch grammar problems. I mean, that yeah. 
it's better than a proofread because you're hearing yourself say these words and well that's not what i meant <laughs> yeah yeah Good heavens, I think... what what did i write that for why did i <laughs> put this almost same paragraph 20 pages apart i mean yeah you know you exactly. you'll hear it and and so i always encourage authors to read their words aloud yeah so you, totally so you were working through acx and i know i've seen you a lot in that acx facebook group the narrator's facebook group yeah um and at some point you started and i had put your junior arsonist club link uh, on the page here but i'm about to change that link to you had started one of my favorite websites <laughs> narratic.com which i always love the play on words because we used to drive ourselves neurotic yes looking, exactly <laughs> looking at audible.com for you know is my book there are there new reviews what what's exactly. happening there and so i i want to hear how you came up with this idea and, and decided to do something about it and how you had the skills to dig into audible's code and figure out how to display this back to the narrators who sure. are interested I mean, from from early on, you know, I think uh, especially I think coming from live uh, theater performance, it's like you get immediate feedback and you know, you know how you're doing. Um, I didn't have a lot of coaching back then. And I was working through my first, I don't know, 10 books. And I was religiously like, all right, let me check, uh, check Audible, see if I got any new reviews, any new ratings. What are people saying? You know, I need I needed some validation and feedback. And I got so dang, dang tired of it that I was, I, uh, I just wrote, I had my computer check instead of me um, in a very kind of primitive way. Um, but my background for that stuff, um, you know, I started getting interested in computers in 1983 when I was 13. And I always had an interest in sort of, I think back then I wanted to like write my own games or something or you know, but I always was very, I just loved being able to manipulate the computer and have it, you know, things would pop back out after you told it to do something. And I just found it amazing. Um, and I'd always kind of kept that up a little bit. I had done some websites for, for theater groups that I'd been in and for, and worked in tech support a little bit here and there. So I had this kind of hobby programming background. Um, and yeah, I just applied that there. I was like, I set up my computer to sort of man, it would check um, Audible every morning or every night or something like that. And it would just, I would send myself an email if I had gotten any new reviews. Um, and it was so like, uh, <laughs> such kind of a little burden that was removed from me. I was like, this is saving me so much time. It does I, save so yeah. much time. <laughs> Because I couldn't imagine even getting to like, you know, 20 books or something like that. I was like, this just, this problem just gets worse. You know, it doesn't get any easier. Um, and I think I'm trying to remember why I decided to share that one. I think I might've been talking to somebody at one of the conferences and I mentioned that, that I had this and they were like, Oh, I want that. Uh, you got, you know, sh you know, share that. And so I started kind of futzing around with it and seeing if I could make it into something that I could share with other people. Um, and I do tend to get really focused on, on things and get really uh, laser focused on a project. And that's Which is kind not of what a bad happened. thing. No, it's, it's not bad at all. And if, at that time I apparently had enough free time between gigs and uh, working uh, you know, a little bit around my narration. I think I just had more free time. I was still maybe doing both uh, jobs a little bit, but I, I just made, you know, the website and I got it to where I wanted it to be. It was, it was kind of a long process. Um, did some beta testing and people seemed to like it. Um, yeah. So I just, I just taught myself what I needed to know. You you say that like it's so easy. I, <laughs> I and I have a master's in computer information systems. I had to take programming classes in college. I worked 
over 25 years in IT. I was not a programmer. I was a programmer for a couple of years. Yeah. But I am saying all this not to brag or anything, but to say I wouldn't know how to do that. I mean, I know how to look at the code yeah. and see where something is displayed on the page, but you've gone beyond that because you tracking what was displayed before and what changed. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get into the I mean, there, of it, that takes I was, some complicated <laughs> wizardry. Yeah. I mean, I was into, I was, I got uh, some, I had a job that involved working with databases a little bit. So I, I you know, a long time ago in the, in the nineties, I guess. So I had a little exposure to that and, you know, that's a whole art form right there is, is working with SQL databases, SQL databases. Um, and then I also was doing stuff with scripting and Unix, you know, long, you know, way at the beginning of all this. So I think having that early footing on those early technologies, it's been easier for me to keep up with some of the changes and things like that. And that graduated to doing Unix scripting. And then that graduated to like, okay, I need a more sophisticated tool learning PHP and then having a platform for neurotic in particular, I picked WordPress and then building WordPress out to accommodate, you know, the, the technical stuff. So WordPress is like the front end and the back end yeah. is the custom stuff. So, you know, it's been, it's been an evolution, but you know, I, I think having that deep understanding and coming from that, background it's been a part of my life for such a long time it does it does come a little bit easier uh to me yeah as soon as you said unix scripting i'm like closing my <laughs> eyes putting my hands over my ears you know like no <laughs> i mean i was into that in high school and it was very early i was on the college computers dialing in with a phone modem um uh, you know, just to play weird text-based games on the uh, UWM computers. <laughs> I was a little hacker kid. Did Did you ever have to use a card reader? Not that far back. Okay. No, no. My My husband uh, went to Georgia Tech as a software engineer, and he tells of the days when he, he had to use the cards, and if you dropped them and they went on the floor, heaven help you get them back in the right order. <laughs> Yeah, I've and I never stories. had to do that. But no, no, not that. Like far working back. with the Unix machines was something I never really liked to do. Yeah, Although in some be... ways I think they were probably simpler than dealing with Microsoft and all their register changes and all, registry changes and all the things they do. But yeah, uh, well, that's that's a weakness I have. I'm not that <laughs> familiar with all that stuff. Well, yeah, and the fact that you but you built on that learning PHP and because so much of what audible is serving up is scripted. And so if you don't know where to look. Yeah. I mean, they, that's just one big database with, you know, media content behind it. It's like, if you understand the fundamentals of what it is and then, you know, this, this technique is, is generally called scraping where you're like, I'm going to just take some data from you guys and we're just going to do something with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, once you understand that, that how that's structured, you know, then you can get into manipulating it to your own, your own ends. You know, anytime I mean, there's a, a movie or TV show and they show some hacker who's just like in and there's this beautiful interface and we're like, no, <laughs> that is so stupid. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but it'd be great if you could use your special powers and go in and change a few ratings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Maybe you shouldn't because... Well, you know what's funny is... That might uh, not bode well. <laughs> for for neurotic, you know, I filter... I actually, my fragile ego, I decided after, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, I was just going to... I only wanted the good reviews. And there's option. There's an option to set up in neurotic where you can be <laughs> like, I only want to see the good reviews. I only want to see three, four, and five star. And I, to this day, I still only see those. Really? <laughs> now, occasionally, about maybe twice a year, I'll go in and I have a way of looking at just the just the ones that have been hidden from me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my bitter pill now, just in case there's something I'm doing I should be aware of. But yeah, usually, because I mean, 
the bad ones do serve a purpose in that if they reveal a trend that you could do something with. Yeah, but, yeah. But most of them are just people who were pissed off because they wasted a credit and the book wasn't what they thought it would be. 90% of the time they're critiquing the book, honestly, unless you're a new narrator. It's it's like your ratings rise and fall with the books that you are, are doing. I mean, it's just the way it is. Well, and I what I've discovered is that, and I discovered it early on, that of the people who listen to the audiobook, maybe 10% of them are going to be prompted to leave a rating or review. And a lot of more of them will leave just the rating and not a review. But of the people, that small percentage who are leaving a review, so many of them are wanting to be in the negative category as if they are the expert in warning people to stay away from this book because I have deemed it a terrible audiobook. It's either that or when it starts getting rave reviews, people are like jumping on the bandwagon like, yeah, I loved it too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anna Mast wrote in the chat, wow, I feel like I found my people, narrators who are also recovering computer programmers. <laughs> oh, I'm not recovered. Sorry. I'm in the wrong No, group. you're not. Because in addition to Narratic, you have another wonderful site, which I'm going to add to the pin link, Audiobook Scout. So after how long did it take between the launch of Narratic to come up with Audiobook Scout? Uh, probably a year or two. I can't quite remember the timeline. It's a similar thing where I was using personally a version of this tool, which was like, why do I have to log into ACX and I have to like look through every listing? You know, it was something I had to do like every day if I wanted to catch a juicy, you know, job Mm -hmm. um, is to constantly go through their search, which was designed a long time ago you know it's not it's not modern so i had another sort of tool that would just email me new listings every every new listing i was seeing that came through acx and every morning and i was like this is much easier Uh, (laughs) um, yes and so it was another it was just another thing where i was like this is also something you know, I wanted to, to share. I was like, I think other people would be interested in, in this too, because, you know, Neurotic was having a decent amount of success. And uh, so, yeah, I, I worked on that. That took a lot longer uh, than the other site. But, um, yeah, I, I put a lot of hours into that. And it's a much more complex site uh, behind the scenes, I guess you could say. And especially, and it's continued to evolve, uh, I had to add a lot of scam detection features and things like that. Um, I added auditions, uh, materials into it too. A lot of, just a lot of little quality of life improvements, uh, researching rankings and tracking rankings on Amazon built into it. Um, So it's, that was a much more complex project and I continued to to work on it um, weekly. I mean, there's always something that needs to be addressed. So, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, probably between one and two years of after neurotic, I think. Well, and and so both of these are paid services, right? It's Audiobook yes. Scout yes. Is, a, is a paid one, but you've generously made the author Snoop part of Audiobook Scout something that everybody can use. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there used to be, I mean, there's still, it's still accessible. There's a page too, which will list all the ones that we flagged as having a lot of red flags, you know, as being probable scams. Um, and that's, yeah, I made that available to everyone too. It seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, Yeah. I have both of those, both the flag listings and the author Snoop on my page of ACX projects to avoid because there's so many scam things and so many of them have red flags and both of these utilities are excellent parts of a narrator's due diligence to decide even whether you want to audition yeah 
and people have become a lot more skeptical, I think. Um, and they, they've seen all these posts about, about people getting scammed and things like that. And it's, it's been interesting to see people getting a little more savvy about this stuff. Um, you know, but Audible or um, ACX really cracked down about a year or so ago. And they've really, um, it's really cut back a lot on scams. But there are new approaches that they're using, which are to do direct offers to new narrators. Mm-hmm. And so they bypass any public screening, essentially, of it. So, yeah, there's always something to watch out for. And I can't figure out what the new payoff for the scammers is. You know, it used to be that you would get promo codes and people were selling these things on eBay because they were good for any oh, book on Audible. Up, they're fully what? setting up bank accounts and getting royalties. Oh, absolutely. That, they've been doing that for a long time. That was what you're describing is less prevalent now for sure. Right. Because uh, they tied the code to the book and they've done yeah, some other things. But yeah. I mean, some people are actually narrating still. You think narrating these? Oh, yeah. And, and people was, are somehow making money off this? I mean, that's what really yeah, perplexes I mean, they, me. They wouldn't probably be doing it if if they weren't. And I, um, so I saw recently somebody posted uh, Ilona Andrews. I don't know if I'm getting her name right, but she's a big like romance fantasy or sci-fi author. And one of her books, she posted on her blog like, Hey, this is not one that we produced. Don't buy this. It's a, she called it a pirated copy. But in fact, uh, someone had had a narrator create it, you know, and it was published. And I assume it was through ACX, but I'm not 100%. It could have been sent through some other platform. But, you know, that's, uh, I would guess, was done through a direct offer. You know, it was, and they had another, the same publisher had a second book up. And so that book, while it was up, it might have been only for a month or two months. It's it's still generating income, and, the, and that first they're going to get that first check, and that's all that scammer needs to be able to be like, this is worth it. I just got a thousand dollars for doing fifteen minutes of work. Yeah. So it's 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 still out there, and I'm sure that there are still many books on audible that were posted through ACX by not the rights holder. And they are making money for, for people illegitimately, mostly books for authors that may have passed away or their rights aren't being, you know, handled actively by anyone, but, but they're definitely there. Yeah. I I know of one. In fact, I had thought about licensing it and then I saw it there and it's like this, it's the only one that this narrator has done. And so I don't know what the story is, but I'm pretty sure that narrator didn't license that book. And so I don't know. I've, I've thought about approaching the publisher, like <laughs> I want to yeah. license the right, you know, do I just pretend I don't know that's there or do I call it to yeah. their attention? And I used to spend I just a lot look of time. for another book to do. <laughs> yeah. Find another book. I used to spend a lot of time emailing authors and, and publishers and, yeah, it was it was fine, but it became like a second job. So I sort of let that be a, their own problem, I guess. Well, and a lot of your websites are really a second job and a third job because you have yeah. more than one. So how do you divide your time between narration and updating your sites and any other projects you've got in the mill? I mean, there's really just sort of uh, my butt in the booth time, which is, you know, minimum three hours, maybe hopefully more like four hours a day. Um, and it's that time surrounding it. It's it's the morning or the or the afternoon and even evening sometimes when I have to address issues or answer emails from the website. Um, the website stuff is like it sort of attacks me. It will just kind of come up where. You know, who knows? I mean, I had a sir, I had a whole, um, the web hosting company that both my sites are on, they were like, hey, we're phasing out this version of PHP and you have, you know, three weeks 
to figure it out and upgrade. And I was like, oh man. Have a nice like, day. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, let me upgrade. And then you watch everything break and you're like, okay, now I got to go through. And that was like, I think that took two or three days where it, and it messes up my, my narration schedule as well. So then you're making that up on the weekend. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a hustle uh, sometimes because it's not a nine to five. It's not a certain number of hours. I can just be like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and do this or trying to answer somebody's question about why something isn't working the way they expected on the website or asking for help. Um, you know, those are things I just try to get to quickly and, and get them done. But it's, it's can be a lot to juggle sometimes for sure. And that's one thing I was wondering about. Do you have somebody help you? So when you're getting questions from users of your sites, are you the one not only fixing the problem, but also doing the responses back to the people asking? Oh yeah. It's a one man band pretty much. Um, yeah. It doesn't, you know, they don't, they don't make like that much money <laughs> for me to necessarily hire and train someone else to, to be standing by to, to do something like that. Um, really? Cause I had this vision of you, like the, you know, where they do this rain and money and you're just like, no, it. it's, <laughs> it's, I think so all narrators, I would think everybody would be members no, of those two sites. No. I think the people cycle in and out of audio audiobook scout in particular, once they get a few jobs lined up, they may stop their subscription and then they pick it up again when they're looking. Mm -hmm. um, you get new people who are think, you know, what new people who are interested in narration think and might use it for a little while. Um, so it's, it's a little bit transitory. Um, and neurotic is kind of like has a core group of users that are dedicated and, enough to keep the site up and going um i actually have a you, uh, you, sorry i'm sorry craig you kind of dropped out in the middle of that sentence you said there's a core group of there's users who of neurotic who are are kind of you know ha it hasn't changed so it, it but it's enough to keep the site worthwhile i guess you could say um but i think i think like a lot of professional you know like i'm a full-time narrator um, and you can only work so much, you can only raise your rates so much, and you're always looking for these other ways to augment your income. I think a lot of people turn to coaching and workshops and stuff like that, and I just am not a patient man. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, people. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, I, I mean, I have directed shows and I've done things like that, but I'm like, I just, there are people who are better suited for that. Let me focus on this other thing where my skills, you know, shine. So I've kind of focused on that stuff. I even have a third website in development that I'm oh. really excited about, but. Uh, oh, tell, hard. tell. Well, maybe you don't want to. Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. <laughs> to think about I mean, that, because but. yeah, before you launch it, you don't want people to perhaps steal your idea and get um, to market it's, first. It's a competitor to a very popular website in the industry that people uh, love and hate. So um, I think that'll be a very interesting, interesting journey, but I have a different approach for it. And I think could be really fantastic, uh, but it's finding the time. It's exactly what we're talking about is I have a full schedule on book through March and you know, I it's, it's it's hard to to put in those hours and it would be required it's another very complex idea that require has a lot of moving parts and you know getting it on its feet is a is an investment so yeah i mean i hope i hope to i don't know when that's going to happen exactly but it's going to happen well i think the fact that you're even talking about it now it's beyond the idea stage it's somewhat in the implementation stage because yeah. i don't think you'd say there's something i'm wanting and i'm very excited about it if there was no plan to actually finalize it and no it's 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 uh i mean i've done my proof of concept and it's it's terrific and uh i actually speaking of teaching myself stuff i was like I don't want to use WordPress anymore. I'm going to teach myself Laravel now, which is a whole, that was a big detour. What, what uh, is that? Laravel is a, so, uh, PH very popular now with these languages is what's called a framework, which I never really used before. Um, where 
they essentially make PHP an even higher level language. So it's kind of easier to quickly create websites and things like that. So Laravel is sits on top of PHP and allows you to sort of very quickly create um, dynamic sites and stuff like mm. that. So, but, but it's, you know, it's a big learning. It's like, okay, I got to stop and learn this whole new sort of language and framework. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, when you kind of have this obsession with making everything perfect, it can really slow you down too. <laughs> yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I don't have any more books published either. <laughs> well, it, but it goes back to, like you said, the, the actual time of it. Yeah. And time. the mental concentration needed to make it happen. For sure. I mean, I veg out usually when I'm done narrating for the day. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play this video game for a while. <laughs> well, I think it's time to ask you what I like to call the pit stop hot seat. And this is a question that you don't know I might ask. So I have to decide which one is the best one for you. <laughs> I, have many, I have many strange questions that um, I like to ask. Oh, I just heard this one the other day. So if you had five minutes left to live, and I know that's very morose and I don't mean to be that way, but if you had five minutes left to live and you could choose one final song to hear, <laughs> what would it be and why? Um, I think, uh, weirdly, I think I would choose uh, Working Man by Rush off their first album. <laughs> okay, that's very specific. <laughs> which is a little obscure. It's the <laughs> last song on their first album, which is before they had their master lyricist and drum uh, master, Neil Peart, and they were just sort of a bar band. And it's just uh, the, this, uh, he's, Getty Lee sings about uh, how he's just a working man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, that was an anthem for me back when I was a younger man. I was like, it was just a, a kind of a tension release for me. And like, you know what? I did the best I could in this life. That's what I would do with my last uh, five minutes song. That sounds like a great choice. I was, I was telling Drew, my husband, I don't think that I would answer this song, this honestly in a public thing, because that the song I'd pick is actually special to me and him. And I don't want other people to know what it is. Uh. So I would, my public answer would be, um, I write the songs from Barry Manilow uh. because of course he's my favorite. And that's the end of the concert is I write the song. So nice. it's like show's over folks. That's it. <laughs> I have to say, just because you mentioned you're a big fan of his, uh, I went to a wedding at his house. <gasps> really? <laughs> yes. Oh. A, a family you've friend. You've got to tell is, me about this. Who's wedding? Uh, and what? How? I mean. Well, I, I don't know if I can get into that, but it's it was uh, a family friend is was has become good friends with him, and uh, he got married to his his partner and asked Barry if he could oh. use his his lawn. <laughs> and oh he my did. god! Did amazing. you meet Barry? Briefly, yes, yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Very I haven't, exciting. I haven't had that kind of personal interaction. I've, I've seen him fifty-five times in over twenty cities, from London to Las Vegas, and I've had several handshakes at shows, oh. but that's about as much as it, much as it goes. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it was cool. Well, you just, you get around, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Somehow I get out of the booth once in a while, I guess. When did this happen? You could say that because I wouldn't know who it is. Um, I guess it was last year. Yeah, it was last oh, so year. Also recently, somewhat recently. Yeah, it was like right after kind of the pandemic was, was oh. becoming, you know, we could get it, we could get together again. Um, yeah, my kids and my kids are, uh, it's my kid's godfather. So that, you know, they were in the wedding. Oh, wow. As well. And it was, yeah, it was really fancy and nice. Amazing. Was, was this the house in Malibu or is this that he sold? No, or is in, it 
Palm Springs. In Palm Springs. Palm oh, Springs. wow. Yeah. Well, I have a whole new respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can grill me in person. <laughs> I'll show you some pictures. Well, I'm just uh, very impressed with the company you keep. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I, I laughed at your line about roasting your own coffee like a real Mr. Fancy Pants. And, <laughs> and then you tell me this. I'm like, well, you are a Mr. Fancy Pants, aren't you? <laughs> I put that in because I'm like, I'm so, uh, I, I've really, you know, with talking about all these, you know, the websites and the, the just the regular work and you know how narration is it is also getting the jobs it's running a business really um i i was like i had to put i was like am i doing anything interesting outside of work is this i was like well i started roasting my own coffee that's interesting well so, yeah. my husband would probably grill you about that because he's very into coffee and keeps buying all these different coffee machines and he watches coffee videos and he admits oh. he's a coffee snob and and then uh, i don't even drink coffee so i mean this is just him, all huh? his hobby oh i highly recommend the the personal roasting setup it's it's really it's not that hard actually it's great i i think he has a roaster okay there you but go if he doesn't this sounds like a great christmas idea <laughs> yes so I'll i think i'll mention then that this is this is was your your bio and and to, and i'll just say oh you have a roaster right <laughs> yeah fish around a little bit <laughs> exactly well we're we're coming up on our time so i want to remind the audience that definitely we'd love to hear from you if you want to say hi to craig or ask him something i did see that uh when we were talking about the scam titles on acx anna mast wrote in the chat i got a direct offer to narrate the narcotics anonymous handbook a few months ago it's got a high bsr on amazon i emailed someone at na to let them know they should connect with acx if it wasn't them and they replied and confirmed it was not of course she wisely also suggested she could narrate it if they were interested <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that one's, uh, it, I guess it depends. You'd have to look at that. I mean, that's a common target is these kind of nebulous manuals of, you know, these organizations like, well, is there one person that wrote it? You know, I would assume though that they do own the rights to it. And it's, it's probably pretty clear cut that that is not something that would be legitimate to do, but that's, that's definitely a target like that I've seen before. I may have even actually seen that exact book come up a couple of years ago. Yeah, so. and it probably will will come up again. And yeah. when when you were talking about people who are kind of off and on again with Audiobook Scout, Kaylee Kirby said she's one of those people and it depends on finances, but it's worth every penny, she said. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I that's totally makes sense to me. I, there's never any I never have an issue with that, of course. Well, and, you know, I, and, I still use it every day, even if I didn't have any users, I would probably still have it. <laughs> well, I, I think that's part of what makes both of these sites so great is because it's something that you yourself wanted and it wasn't yeah. there. And so you built it. And, and so much of any kind of innovation happens that way. It's something that I care about and I want and nobody else is doing it. So yeah, why not me? It's kind of funny too. I remember I was working on audiobooks and thinking like, I'm going to put all this time in and then ACX is going to, you know, they're going to update their site and it's just going to make it totally not, you know, necessary to have something like this. But um, <laughs> that hasn't happened. They're going to update their site. <laughs> they have never. They and you have, thought that they, win? <laughs> they did. Well, they did a little face. A little, yeah. And I was like, you know, anytime something changes, I'm like on high alert. But I was like, oh, nothing changed. <laughs> it was just well, a nothing that would affect your site changed. Yeah. Well, it's still, it ultimately really was just a facelift. The The core of their searching titles and narrator, all that stuff is really the same. They just changed like the menu and the, what, what contains it essentially. So it literally, I would call it a facelift. So. Yeah. Well, they've, 
they've had a few of these and I'm, I don't know if it's even a full facelift is, you know, maybe really. an eyebrow tuck yeah. or. Yeah, maybe an eyebrow tuck. Exactly. A little bit around the nose or something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what's, it is. what's oh, on ahead, tap for you beyond narrating? And is, is there other than the website that you're working on? Is there something else coming up for you? Um, that you can talk about for me that I can talk about. Um, I think I'm just really focused on getting through my current schedule. Sometimes when I'm so busy, I'll just stop scheduling stuff for a while and just take, be like, I'm just intentional, no work time. And then I'll have a couple of weeks off. So I think I'm, I'm working toward that. And then, yeah, I'll work on my new site, which code name super duper. Oh, <laughs> oh! There's a clue. <laughs> there's a clue. Super duper. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I'm just kind of plugging away. I don't think I have anything special. I mean, I I am working on some uh, short stories and things like that to put together in maybe a a collection. Um, but it's not. Uh, I have a, There's no timeline on that. Well. And our own projects so often don't have a timeline because having deadlines for other people, those come first, people who are paying you to do things and yeah, we have to work our own projects around that. Absolutely. I mean, just trying to schedule time to go tour high schools with my son. <laughs> it's like trying to figure out uh, rocket science being like, well, I'll have to put in an hour after dinner in the booth. You you have to tour high schools? I know people tour colleges, but this is yeah, well, you're touring high in, schools? Yeah, in LA, you know, we have a wide variety and there's uh, a magnet program where you can kind of just go wherever you, I don't want to say wherever you want, but you have a, there's dozens of these quote unquote magnet schools that you could just apply to get in and it's, they have a specific area of focus, but mm, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you kind of have some choices. So it's not just the neighborhood school, which is not always the best. LAUSD is the second biggest school system in the United States. So it's, it's pretty massive. I, I would have thought it's the first. What's the New first? York. Oh, New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I would have thought LA was much Certainly bigger. Certainly the most sprawled is LA, but um in terms of, I think, number of students, it's New York is first. And what focus is he wanting to have? Uh, we're trying to figure that out, but he's he's just like a really good student, so he'll probably be in uh, one of the STEM uh, programs. He was sort of interested in theater, like his good old dad, but then we we looked, I was like, yeah, and then you have rehearsals, and you might be in a musical, and he was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like no like, yeah the right. finished product is one thing but the preparatory work to get there is a whole uh, yeah. other thing kidding? yeah doing the same performance every every night you know maybe not night exactly after night after night like, <laughs> i'm so tired of this <laughs> exactly well so he's, he's got have, time though do you have some advice you could share with other people who want to expand their horizon beyond narration I mean, I think if you're augmenting, you know, I think it's very, it's totally a common thing. You have this whole interview series. Um, I, I think it's just like, if it's, it becomes magical when it aligns with your particular, you know, skills and abilities. If you have another set of skills that's um, runs in parallel or, or augments you know, the narration in particular and can work in harmony, you know, definitely don't hesitate. You know, you've got something special to offer. Um, I was, I wasn't sure if anybody would sign up for either of these websites. And, you know, I think for Audiobook Scout, I hit over a thousand users that have tried it, not that are currently active, I wish, but, yeah. um, I feel you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There it is. Um, and so I think, you know, it's just sort of, you do have to take a little bit of a leap because whatever you're going to set up, it's, it's another, 
in, uh, investment of your time. But uh, if if you have some particular little special thing that's a little different than everybody else, I mean, go for it. And we have an audience question, or so I'm going to send the microphone to schoolgirl. Oh, Anna Mast. So come up to the stage, Anna. And uh, you'll have Hello. to. There you are. There we go. Hi. It's good Hi. to hear your voice. Yes, lovely to meet you both. Um, gosh, I feel like I have so many things that I could chime in on with this whole conversation. Um, and uh, sorry, Craig. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Um, firstly, uh, I'm a new narrator. I have about 10 titles under my belt. Uh, I feel like I have a lot in common with you, though. One of my titles is a Grace Hamilton uh, series that I'm doing, and I know you've done a couple of those. So. Literally narrating one <laughs> right now. Yeah. yeah, I am the first in a series of three, so I'm feeling pretty lucky to have landed that so early in my um, career. But yeah. um, my congratulations! Pre- oh, thank you. My previous career was as a, a computer engineer, and I actually um, started sort of as a side project, passion project, with my mom, a RV tech travel website. So you talking about sort of combining your two passions, whether it be audiobooks or in her case, it was RVs and tech skills. And, you know, we built, you know, I built a website originally, you know, PHP and using, I didn't use WordPress. I used Drupal, I think, for my first yeah. generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like my uh, uh, reboot, I did it all in Django. I learned Python and it was so much better to have a full framework. So good for you yeah. on the uh, Laravel move. That'll make your life a million times easier. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah. But um, I mean, in my case, I ran that as a side project while I was like at home with my babies when they were like, you know, I was on maternity leave with them and I did it as just a side project for years. And then it eventually grew to the point where I quit my full-time job and oh. like we, and we sold it during the pandemic because oh, our wow. it really took off. So wow. now really what has, that's what has afforded me the opportunity to do this now because Fantastic. I don't, I don't need necessarily a, a guaranteed income anymore. So it's, I, I just, yeah, sort of, that's talking about, if we're talking about, you know, finding yeah. things to, to dovetail with your passion and the, I am proof positive that it can work. So that's fantastic. What a great it story. Is. Yeah. And you've uh, clearly got a knack for it. If Relay uh, picked you for, for one of Grace's books. So you know, kudos Thanks. to you. Yeah, it's the first one just went live like last week. So I'm still waiting on that first rating to show up there. But uh, yeah, you got to get them all. You really got to get them all out and wait for the, the box set to really start. That's, some, that's what mm. I'm expecting. Yeah. Some royalties. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been I late. I'm actually really late on book six, which is the one I'm doing now. It's the, <laughs> it's the finisher for the series. And I got, you know, you get sick and all this other stuff. And, but yeah, that's great. Anyway, I love that story. Oh, thanks. Uh, I uh, like I said, I saw this interview with you, and I knew we had lots of things in common. And I really yeah. to come and and listen and contribute. So it was a really great chance to cool. meet you. Well, we're so nice glad you did. Did it, oh is that I guess that was all you were going to say? Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, I could keep talking if you want me to, but that's really all I have to add. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate you stopping by and and adding yet another inspirational story. And we, we can use all of those that we can get. Well, and, uh, yeah, for sure. Knows, maybe, you know, eventually one of your projects will take off so much that somebody will buy it from you and you can retire and do something else. But it sounds like you still love it. So. Yeah, I, I, I do like it. It's it's a uh, it's a passion project for me, for sure. And that sounds like a perfect time to tell everybody it's time to get back on the road. So I'm going to conclude today's pit stop. The recording will be available on Clubhouse later today and in the near future, probably next week. I'll post it with a transcript and some links on narratorsroadmap.com. And I'm thrilled to also announce that Pit Stop is also available in your favorite podcast platform, including Apple and Audible. So, Craig, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or any final words? And how should people contact you? Um, I mean, if you want to contact me, you can go to andrewtell.com. 
and hit the contact information or same thing on audiobookscout.com or neurotic.com. And uh, nothing to plug. I mean, you can check out some of my books if you want. Uh, Sword of Kaigen is a wonderful fantasy novel. You're interested? <laughs> and they could leave ratings and then you'll get notified from Neuratic. <laughs> That's another way to contact me. Very, very roundabout way. But yes. Well, I hope everyone will take another road trip with us on November 8th when we'll talk with Terry Schnalbert, who is a narrator and artist, and she's studying to become a Texas master naturalist. In the meantime, I hope you find joy in every journey and live the life of your dreams. Thanks so much to Craig Tollefson, a.k.a. Andrew Tell, for this terrific and fun conversation. And thanks to everybody for your attention and support this afternoon. And I appreciate you spending time with us. Hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you soon. 